Um, okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf nun gimel, and today's shiur leilunishmas ben Sion ben Zeev Avram Halevi Avram ben Peretz Leia Luna bas Asael v'Sulvia Dov Yitzchak ben Moshe, and it's for a refuah shleima of Chaim Aryeh ben Masha Leia. Yeah, may the Noshomas have an aliyah and their memories be a blessing. It is also for Rafua Shlema of. Oh, sorry, Rafua Shlema of Chaim Aryeh ben, ben Mashalaya. May have a complete and speedy recovery. And also for Pesa, Pesa Bashaina Baila. May she have a complete recovery. Um. Okay, so we continue with the Mishnah. So we were going to remember the Kohen Gadol. We've discussed he walked into the Kodesh Hakadoshim before between the two curtains, and we discussed he puts the coals down between where the poles were, or whether if it was the first temple between the poles of the Aram Kodesh, or he put the inside the coals down um, where they would have been between where they would have been, and then he piles the incense on top of them. So it's. And he places the Ketoris on top of the, of the coal. So it says, Tanan, Commander Omar Tzuvra. We see this is in, a, in accordance with the opinion that says he piles it. Because remember, we had a Machlokas, does he scatter it over the coal so that the smoke fills up quickly? Or does he pile it on top so that it doesn't take as quickly? So, um. So, and now this says, which way does he start piling it? Because he's going to pile it, he's got a lot of incense. Remember, it's, a, it's a big amount, remember, it's two palmfuls. So, does he put it on the coals? Uh, it's, his, it's his handfuls. Does he put it on the coals starting close to him or starting away from him and piling towards him? So, he says, Tani. Um, he starts inwards, I towards the Aaron, which is further away from him. But he piles it outwards, which is close to him. So does he start in and go out, or out and go in? So Amar Abaye Tanai here. Abaye says they're not. There's no way to resolve it. It is a machlokes Tanai. Which one was that? But Amar Abaye Mistaber Commander Amar Penimah Shehi Chutzalo. He says it makes most sense to me that he starts inwards, which is furthest away from him. The Tanan, this is regarding the regular Katoris, but we want to learn from what, the regular Katoris to the special Yom Kippur Katoris. Melamdim oisov the Esha. Melamdim oiso, we teach him, Hizoy Shaloi Tatru Mupanecho Shemetachave. Don't start placing the incense close to you and then move further away because then that incense is going to catch a light or the smoke will start burning you. You know, you never, you don't reach over the fire to do stuff. You start further and light the fire as you get closer to you. And um, again, but here the incense would start to smoke and it would burn him. So he wants to say, Abayah says the same, same as that. So now we have a good for a while you should start further away and move closer so that it, as it starts to burn and the smoke comes up, it doesn't burn you. But why should you start closest to you? So that, if I understood the Tosos Harosh, seems to be because it's... Um, because of the concept, you start the mitzvah as soon as you can. So as soon as you're holding the incense a little bit over the coals, you place them down. But, um, but I'm not sure exactly. Okay, let's go on to the next piece. Top of Nun Gimel Amud Aleph. 
53. You place the Ketores on the fire before Hashem. What does that mean? Shelo yetakein mibachutz v'yachnis um, you don't start on the outside and then move inwards. Where do you start? Um, you first you walk in with the coals and the incense separately and prepare the incense when you are in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. <laughs> My, um, what's, why are we emphasizing this? To exclude from the Tzidukim. Remember that Tzidukim, as we said, generally dismissed the, the well, Torah Shabbat Peh, the traditions we have from Chazal, and they argue. So they, they and interestingly enough, obviously any time you read a Pasuk, you're going to be interpreting it. So the question is, do you have the system of interpretation that follows Chazal, which we would refer to as the oral Torah, which is direct from Hashem, or do you have your own made-up system, which is basically what the Tzidukim have? But let's see how they says. What did the Tzidukim say? Yeah, they said you start, you first put the incense on the, you, on the coal when you're outside the Kodesh HaKadoshim and then walk in, but that's wrong. But he says, my Dorosh, why did they say that you do that? The Pasuk says, through a cloud of smoke, I will appear on the Kaporis. It's discussing Aaron, when Aaron can come into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and then I will appear through a cloud of smoke. So they say you've got to appear before Hashem with the cloud of smoke already starting. It says, That you set up the, you put the Kaporis on the coals before you go in. Say, oh, but the Pasuk earlier on in the paragraph says, You place the Kataris, sorry, later on in the paragraph, but it says, You will place the Kataris on the fire before Hashem, when you're in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So, in Cain, my Talmud Loma reflects the case. What and, and what's it coming to teach? Through a cloud of smoke, I will then I will appear on the kapores. I only once you've you're not allowed into the Kodesh Hakadoshim, and Hashem won't appear unless you already have the cloud of smoke, which is how the Tudum says no. To teach that, just push put the special ingredient called male osham. Literally, male osham means the smoke goes up. Remember, it was the special ingredient. Um, you will come to that now. So, so they say that the first point is that you, they hold that the pasuk tells us straightforward, very clearly that you go inside. Oh, what about this pasuk that seems to contradict that and say that you should set up the smoke before? That's not referring to the smoke. That's referring to the ingredient called maale oshon. Now, remember when we discussed earlier on in the Masech, the Beis Abtinos, the family used to make the Katoris. They had this special ingredient that no one else knew about that would make the Katoris go up in a straight column, like a stick. So that was this ingredient. Um, and you have to have it for the, um, for the Katoris and also for Yom Kippur. Then the Gemara says, oh, Now this is redundant, but the Gemara is going to ask why we repeat it. It says, How do we know that you put male Oshon? Which we've just brought upon. So it says, no, The cloud of smoke... Um, the cloud of smoke from the Katoris will cover the Katoris, will cover the lid of the Aaron. We learn from this, if you don't put in male oshan, this type, this ingredient, 
or you don't put in, you're missing any of the ingredients, you chayev misa, you're liable to misa. And that's um, obviously not basically won't put them to death, but it's misa bidei shomayim. Now the Gemara just wants to say, so wait, we've just said, what's the reason if you go into the Holy of Holies and you put in, and you have katoris that is missing, male oshan, or any of the other ingredients you chayev misa. He says, for tape clay, we actually have a different source why you should be put to death. The Kormal you're coming into the Kodesh Akhtoshim for nothing. There's another pasuk which says, Do not go in at any time and you won't die. Either the only time the Kohen Godel is allowed into the Kodesh Akhtoshim is when he's going there when the Torah says he can, on Yom Kippur, to put the incense in or to sprinkle the blood. Um, any other reason, he's Chayav Misabidei Shomayim for going in for no reason. So if you take incomplete Ketores into the Holy of Holies, you're going in for no reason. That's not a valid reason to be going into the Kohen. So you should already be Chav Misa. So now we're going to have a few opinions why we need to learn both you Chav Misa for going in for nothing. And you would also independently could be Chav Misa if you went in with missing one of the ingredients. So Omar of Sheish says, if, you know, if you try to burn a Katoris that has, that's missing, an ing- burn a Katoris that's missing one of the ingredients. It says, Omar of Sheish says, Hakam Amaskin and Kagon Shoshokak Bibia Behazit Bakhtora. He went in by mistake. I will only be high misabide shamayim if you go in on purpose, you knowingly transgress and go in for no reason. But maybe he didn't realize. But then he burned the katoris knowing that he's missing one of the ingredients. So he's not high misa for going into the Kodesh HaKadosh and that was a shogeg. But he's high for burning the katoris. Rabashi gives a different answer. He says, I'm a filu tamer, hizidbo, bezu, bezu, kagon da ayo shtei haktoris achas shleima v'achas chaseira. Um, Ravashi says you can even say it's where he did both on purpose. But the case is where he carried two incense, two sets of incense in. One, uh, one fully with all the ingredients correct and one with some of the ingredients missing. So it's not counted as going in for nothing. Because you have the, the collection which is full, which is the correct ingredients, but you would be higher when you start to burn the deficient katoires. Now we're just going to analyze, as I pointed out, the Brysa mentioned two sources why you need male ashan. It said, we, according to the Chachomim, obviously they've rejected how the Tzidukim learn. We know not only that, it's oral Torah, which, so that's the correct way Hashem wants us to interpret it. Um, so, but then it says, so imkain ma tamud lomar keep on. I'm just reading from the brayser previously. It says, so imkain ma tamud lomar era ala kapoires. Why does it say I will appear in a cloud over the kapoires? Um, the kapoires is the lid of the aron. And then we said that teaches us that you put in male ashon minayin shenoisen bo. And then we ask again, where do we know that you put in male ashon? And then we brought the second pasuk, the chiso anan aktores es hakapoires the 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 cloud of smoke must cover the kapoyas, um, must cover the lid of the aron. Um, so so we got so Oma Mar Uminan Shenoisen Bomale Oshan Tabulam Bechiso Krola Krol. Why do we need another pasuk telling us the same thing as the previous pasuk? We have two pasukim telling us to put in Male Oshan. So we're going to have four different answers. So the first answer is Oma Rav Yosef Hachi Kamar. Rav 
Yosef is saying this is what it's saying. Ainli ela ela alei male oshon ikar male oshon minan. I would have, if I only had one pasuk, I would know you could use the leaf of this plant. How do I know that you can use the root? So that's the second pasuk. Tamalom avchisa. The Torah comes along and says a second pasuk to use male oshon. I that you can use even the root. Now we basically going to keep this answer. Just a buyer is going to say, look, I would have. It's more likely that you would think you could use the root than the leaf. So he's just going to switch the answer around again. Um, what Rav Yosef said is, I would have only thought to use the leaf, and we need a second pasuk to say you can even use the root. A buyer is going to say that's not what you would have thought. You would have thought I could only use the root, but you can, and the pasuk tells us you can even use the leaf. So Omar Leia Baya Baha Ibchatanya, we learned the opposite in a brisa to Tanya, Nos and Bo Ikar Male Oshon Hoyomitmar Voile Kamakal Achimagilishme Koira. Abaya uh, the Brisa taught that you'd put in the roots of Male Oshon and it would go up in a straight staff to the ceiling. Once it started to go up on the roof, well then it would fill up and go down the walls. You can picture the smoke going up in the room and slowly filling up the room more and more. Um, as it says, until the whole Kodesh Akdoshim would be filled with smoke. Shenemar is the Pasuk says, the house must fill with smoke. But again, El Omar therefore Abaya says, I would have only thought you could use the roots of Male Oshon. How do I know that you can use the leaves of the Male Oshon? The Torah comes along and says that you cover it. The second pasuk of the Chiso, that you can even use the leaves. Okay, that's the first answer. Again, that the one pasuk is coming to say the roots, and the second pasuk is coming to say even the leaves. Of Male Oshan is kosher for the Kotoris. Rav Sheshes Omar Aini Ella Ohel Moed Shubh Midbar. I would have thought that you only need the ingredient of Male Oshan in the Midbar. Shiloh Beisolami Minayin. How do I know that you even need this ingredient for Shiloh when the Beisamigdash? It was a, a semi temple in Shiloh. It was, I think, if I remember correctly, it was stone walls with uh, we, this, it's a Gomorrah's Vachim I don't remember. I think it's stone walls with a curtain cover. Um, so it was a semi-base amigdash in Shiloh, and it was there for a few hundred years. U beisoy lomim, and the eternal house, either base amigdash, minayin. How do I know that you have to have male oshan there? Talmud lomim, we have a second pasuk, v'chisah. Aho mi... But wait, you're telling me that the Yom Kippur avoida, you're telling me that the requirement for the Yom Kippur avoida in the desert is the same as the requirement for the Yom Kippur avoida... This ingredient of Mala Oshan is the same requirement for all future generations. Well, we know that from the following pasuk. It says, um, um, That pasuk says, We learn out from there that you always have to have that the Yom Kippur avoid is the same. So obviously you have to have Mala Oshan. No, you're right. Sorry, the fur, what's the Pasuk coming to tell us? The first Pasuk is telling us you need Male Oshan for Yom Kippur. And obviously we know from another Pasuk that anything it says by Yom Kippur in the Midbar would have the same requirement for the future Beis Amidah. It says, but Bashar Yom Oish Hashanah Minayin. How do I know that you need Male Oshan for the rest of the year? Talmud Lomar, 
V'chisos. So the second pasuk comes and says V'chisos. It's not coming to tell us you need male oshen for Yom Kippur. It's telling us that you also need male oshen in the regular Ketoros. A third answer, Ravashi Omer, Chad Mitzvah, Chad Lakev. Ravashi says, no, the first one is coming to tell us the mitzvah, the ideal way to, you, you would have thought, if, you, if it only had the one pasuk, you would have thought that it's the ideal way to do it. But if you didn't do it, it's okay. So we need the second pasuk, Lakev, to tell us that it's essential. As I've mentioned a few times in the last uh, week or two, um, that there's this principle, Bakodjim, if it only says the halacha once, it means that's how you should do it. But it's still valid if you don't. And if it repeats the halacha, then it's essential. So that's why Rav Ashi says the possum, we have two psukim telling us you need male oshan to tell us it's essential. Um, just interestingly, the Tosfos Yom Tov asked, but um, don't we always say everything on Yom Kippur is essential? Any avoider that the Kohen Godel does in his big day love on in the Kodesh HaKadoshim is essential because it says chukka. There's another word to tell us. You don't need to repeat it. So he says, yeah, he says, you're right for what's done in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. But when do you mix in all the ingredients? At uh, some other time, long before Yom Kippur, at the beginning of the year, by Nisan or even not, you prepare it before Yom Kippur. So that's when it's done. That's why we need a separate puzzle. And Rava Rava says one for an Oynesh and one for an Azara. I, we always find in the Torah very an amazing concept that you need to, the Torah not, can't just tell us if you do X, the punishment will be, let's say, Misabedei as in our context. It has to first give us a warning, you have to have Male Oshon, or you're not allowed to leave out Male Oshon, and then in a sec, you have to have a separate source for if you leave out Male Oshon, you have Misabedei So that's what the one Posuk is telling us, that you must have it, and the second Posuk is telling us not to leave it out. So that's... Um, um, yeah, that's right. Just an extension of Robert's answer to elaborate on this two psukim. Says Tanya, Rebbe Lazar Oimer, the loyal mus. Rebbe Lazar says the posu- We know that someone's chayav misibidei shomayim if they leave out this ingredient male osham because it says the loyal mus. Oinesh. That's telling us oinesh. Kiba anan ero er. And when the posuk says you will appear with the cloud, or I will appear when there's a cloud. Azora, that's the warning, telling us you're not allowed to leave it out. Now, just before we go into the next point, um, basically, the uh, um, the Yom Kippur avoid is contrasted, and it comes about with remember when they were inaugurating the Beis Hamikdash. Um, when they were inaugurating the Beis Hamikdash. Then they brought certain korbanos, and then the sons, not of an Avil, the sons of Aaron, brought a strange fire to Hashem, and they were burnt on that day. The death of Aaron's sons happened in the, at the inauguration of the temple. Now, we're going to, the Gomorrah's assumption at the moment is their Avera was they left out Male Oshan. So it says, Yochel Yushneim Omrim Koidem Aaron, you might have thought that both these psukim were mentioned before the death of Aaron's sons, Talmud Lomar. The will the pasuk where it's written is Aaron. But it starts off the whole paragraph of the Yom Kippur Avoida after the death of Aaron's sons. Says you are so then fine. Maybe both psukim were told to Ben Israel or told to them only after the death of the sons of Aaron. Talmud Lomar, the pasuk says Kibonon Arae al Hakapores. You will, um, my cloud will appear on the kapores. I Hashem is saying that, um, sorry, I will appear on the kapores when there's a cloud. 
But Hashem, at the time of the, when Aaron's sons had died, Hashem had already appeared. Not that I will appear. So clearly, so Hokeitad, which, when was it, these psukim that you have to have Male Oshan said? Was it before the death of Aaron's sons or after the death of Aaron's son? This is Hokeitad. So the Gemara says, Hazorah Koyre Mitzvah Misa. The Hazorah is before Mitzvah. The warning, do not leave out Male Oshan, was actually said earlier on, before the death of Aaron's son. And the, and the, Punishment that you get, is recorded after uh, after their death. Was told to them after. Oh, my time were they? How do we see that that pasuk is referring to before? So, as I explained, when I will appear in the cloud, I I have not yet appeared. Whereas we know at the time of their sin, Hashem had already appeared. Oh, the time So, what was the reason for their punishment? Again, we want to say, what, the sons of Aaron did something wrong that caused their death. Um, and they died for it. We wanted to suggest it was that they left out Male Oshan. But we've just shown that the, um, we've just proven that there wasn't that... Uh, um, um, we've just proven that the punishment was only mentioned after, so that couldn't be the reason they were punished. So it says, Rather, Rabbi Lozo says, no, the reason the sons of Aaron died was because they paskened before their Rebbe Moshe. I, you're not allowed to issue a psak when your Rav is standing there. He's the one who has to issue the psak. My Dorish, what did they expound? What psak says, Venos and Aaron... It says the sons of Aaron will put fire on the Mizbech. Even though we know the fire comes down for the heaven to light the Mizbech. And as we said, there's a, one of the miracles. The fire comes down from heaven and lights the Mizbech. Still, it's a mitzvah for the regular Kohanim to add and light their own, to light the fire themselves. So, and this we discussed a little bit when we were, uh, were discussing about the Tomid, when, remember, they would take up two blocks and they would light them, they would light the fire even though they would have to be involved in the lighting of the fire, even though there was the fire that came down from Shemaim, even though there was the eternal fire, they had to still light it, it was part of the mitzvah. But they shouldn't, now, not that they were wrong, they were correct, but you're not allowed to issue a psak before your rav. And we see that's the, sever- the severity um, of what they did. Um, the severity of it issuing a psak. Interesting enough, to a degree, I don't want to go into the technicalities of now, that's what smicha is nowadays. Smicha nowadays is kind of your rav giving you permission to issue a psak. Obviously, in front of him, you might still not be allowed to issue a psak. You're standing with your rav. You can't say, well, I think the halacha is. But, um, but if, if your rav is still alive, you might not ever be allowed to issue a psak. So Smicha is saying, no, I give you permission to issue a psak. That's what the Rav is doing. Um, that's one aspect that's uh, something to think about. What is when, when you call someone Rav because they have Smicha from when they were in Yeshiva, whatever, what, what, what is that Smicha? We know there was the Smicha from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu going all the way down to the Tanoim. Um, Rebbe mi pre Rebbe, when he'd put his hands on, etc. But the, that Smicha stopped. So what's the Smicha nowadays? Yes, Mervin. I was just wondering what the connection is between the two words. 
Oh, so that's a very good question. It seems, if I understand correctly, that Moshe put his hands on Yahshua. And that's where the term smicha came from. From then onwards, there was never smicha with leaning hands. Smicha does mean leaning hands. And that's why, like, the smicha in the void of the base Amidash, when you offer a, kor- a korban, you do smicha. I don't know the connection between that, but I think it's because Moshe did smicha to Yahshua with his hands. But, I mean, subsequent to that, I think it's a, there is a, but I think it's a myth that to give smicha, you put your hand, the, the special smicha from Moshe to Yeshua, etc., handed down from generation. There is a myth that you put your hands on the head, but I think that's just a myth. Um, I, I remember hearing a shubar of Shechta. Um, really, it was just given orally. You call him Rebbe. Ah, oh, now he has smicha. Um, Nowadays, one of the days that they give uh, when after the whenever the person's been tested and he's passed his test or whatever, then they call him up to the Torah with the title Rav. Um, I think that, I don't know if that's an ask they give him an aliyah because he's just got past the test, I don't know, the day before or whenever, or if that's one of the ways that they highlight that they've given him smicha. I'm not sure about that, but that's a thing that's done. Um, but... Yeah, but as I said, our smicha is very different to that smicha. Um, it's it has the same name, I guess. It's adopted. It's, we now he's now a rav. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting points to go through. We don't really have time, but I just want to mention there's a whole discussion because early in the Gemara, remember we had the discussion with Beis Abtinas. They oh they were the only ones who knew the secret secret ingredient male Oshan. and the. Chachomim went to Alexandria to get the experts, spas, and perfume makers there to make katoris, and they could make katoris, but they just didn't get male oshan, and they weren't able to get a, to go up in a straight column. Now it sounds like they tried to use that as the katoris for a few weeks until they actually went and doubled the salary of Beis Avtinas and brought them back. So Alkamor seems to say if you leave out male oshan, it's chayv misabidei shomayim, and that Gemara seems to say that they offered katoris for a few weeks without without uh, male oshan. So how do you resolve that contradiction? The Beis Yosef, um, interesting, interesting where the Beis Yosef, Yosef discusses it. I'll mention that shortly. But he says, he says it's actually only mitzvah min amuvchar. But to say that it's very difficult in our line of Gomorrah, which seems to say very clearly, if you leave out this ingredient of male oshan, it's a mitzvah mine. So, I mean, I've got, it, I've got like four or five answers that I wrote down from the Beis Yosef. Um, uh, from the no, from different from uh, from various achronim, uh, but one of the um, one answer that I think fits with both sugyas, you have to analyze why not everyone accepts it, is that he's uh, um, on Yom Kippur it's essential, and if you leave it out it's chaimisa. But the rest of the the regular katoris for the rest of the year, if you leave out the ingredient of male oshan, it's not essential. Um, okay. Um, oh, and then very interesting, we have a, there's a, I know you, on Shabbos we say Petuma Katoris. The base Yosef, I know, we know Shulchan Aruch, the Turin base Yosef, only discuss halacha that's relevant to us nowadays. So why is he busy discussing the Katoris there? So because we know there's a practice to say Katoris. And I'm trying to remember who it was. In, in the base Yosef, he brings, I think it might have been his Rebbe, remember, Maria Buhav, but he brings someone who says that you chayev misa if you say the katoris without with leaving out an ingredient, because us saying the katoris is in place of the katoris being offered. 
when the Shalmu Parims was saying, I don't remember the exact possible, but it's something like that. Our saying of the Korbanos is in place of it. So if you leave it out an ingredient, when you're saying the Katoris, you have Misa. And that's why we Ashkenazim have the Min, I mean, there's various Minhagim. Many say, look, you can't say that. Can't say someone who's reading the parsha and they leave out an ingredient, they can't miss as if they were offering it in the base of Middash and left out an ingredient. But either way, Ashkenazim, we have the minag, that's why we only say the Katoris on Shabbos and Yom Tov, because there people have more time. So you can say it more carefully, and you can be careful not to leave out any of the ingredients. During the week, we don't say Pituma Katoris. Many other, what would you call them, sex, Fardim and uh, Hasidim do say Petum Aktoris every day, and it seems that preferably you should. But Ashkenazim don't, because we worry during the week, you all in such, everyone's in such a rush, and a tumult, you might race it and leave out an ingredient. So that's just the interesting halacha, um, the relevance to nowadays, this question of is one Chai Miso or not. Okay, let's carry on. It says, He then leaves the same way he came in. So he says, What's the source for this that you... Don't that you don't turn your back and walk out. You walk in and then you walk out backwards. So he says, Omar Rebi Shmuel Barnachmani Omar Rebi Yonas said Omar Kroh from the following pasuk. It says, Vayavo Shlomo Labamo Asher Begivon Yerushalayim. Shlomo came to the the Bama which is in Givon Yerushalayim. Givon is where the Mishkan the Mishkan was before the Shlomo built the temple. So he says, But wait, what's Given got to do with Yerushalayim? It says he came to the Bama, the altar, which was in Given Yerushalayim. So he says, It's to connect him leaving Given to return to Yerushalayim to when he came to Given from Yerushalayim. Just as when he came to Given from Yerushalayim, Pon of Klape Bama, he was facing the Mishkan, the, the Mizbeach. So, so too when he left Givon, when he was walking away from the, Mish, the, the Mishkan in Givon, his face was, he was walking backwards, he was facing the Bama. And then, and then the Brisa continues, So too the Kohanim, when they're doing the Avoida, they must walk backwards when they're leaving the Beis Amidash, or when they're leaving the Mizbech. The Levim Beduchonon, or the Levim on their platform, the Yisrael Bamamodon, and Yisrael in their Mamad. Keshahein Niftarim Loho Yumazirim Penayim Vaholchim, you don't turn around and walk away. Elam Mitztilim Penayim Vaholchim, you turn your face to the side, and you walk away. The Chain Talmud, so that's a, that's the source for this. So to a student who's walking away from his rebbe, he mustn't just stand up and turn away and walk away. He must walk backwards. Um, um, he must walk backwards. And we're going to now bring some stories on this, but just very interesting. So this is the source for the halacha that out of, and that's so we can see very clearly why you do it out of respect for Hashem, the Beis Hamidrash, out of respect for your rebbe, you walk backwards. Interesting enough, it uses the phrase Mitzade Ponov, you turn your face to the side. So you don't have to walk backwards and not and bump into things. By the sounds of it, we'll see there might be a difference of opinion. But the sounds of it, you don't have to you can turn your head sideways to check where you're going, but don't turn your back on your rebbe. So walk backwards with your head turned so you can get um, from the base amidash or from your rebbe. Um, and this is Kihod Rebbe Yolazor. Kihave Miftar Minei Rebbe Yochran. When Rebbe Yolazor was dismissed from Rebbe Yochran, 
کد هوی باره بیا خلاص گویه هوی گاخین کای ربی لازار ادوخته اده هوی مخصی ربی آی خلن می اینای When ربی آی خلن would get up to leave he would stand up and bow facing ربی آی خلن and he would stand in place until ربی آی خلن had gone out of Asad بخد هوی باره ربی لازار گویه and when Rabbi Loza was leaving Rabbi Yochanan, so if it was the other way around, not Rabbi Yochanan leaving, but Rabbi Loza leaving, he would walk backwards until he couldn't see Rabbi Yochanan anymore. Interesting, we never said a shir. How far do you have to walk backwards? From this it sounds, you can check the halachas, but from this it sounds like you have to, when you're walking away from your Rabbi, you have to walk backwards. Until you can't see him anymore. I guess either until you're out the room, or if you're out in the field, quite far. But that seems to be the halacha. He says, Rava kad have miftar Rabbi Yosef. When Rava would leave Rabbi Yosef, He would walk backwards to the degree that he would end up bruising his legs, and, he's, and he dirtied the threshold of Rabbi Yosef's house with blood. I think it's, I don't know if it's exaggerating or not, but either way it says he didn't care, he would walk backwards, facing, looking at Rabbi Yosef, that he couldn't even see what he, where he was going, and he'd bump into things and hurt his legs. Um, interesting enough, this is even though Rabbi Yosef was blind, Rabbi Yosef was blind and he still walked out backwards from him. We see it's not, the, the respect you show to a person is not necessarily that they, that they are clearly aware and see the respect, it's also how you approach them. Uh, approach is the wrong word in this context, but how you approach them, you've got to approach them with a sense of respect and walk backwards from your Rebbe. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Rava's practice. And the Omar Leila of Yosef, Hachi Ovid Rava, they told Rav Yosef that this is what Rava used to do. And Omar Leila, hey Rava, the Torum Reisha Akula Karcha. He says, oh, Rava should merit to be, when, he, when Rabbi Yosef was told about Rava's practice, he said Rava should merit to be the, the Rav over the whole town, the whole city. And we know that Rava became the Rosh Hashiva after his Rebbe Rav Yosef, if I remember correctly. Okay, now we're going to go into another permutation of this walking backwards. And this is when you davena mida, as we know, we take three steps backwards and bow. So that's what the Gemara is going to discuss now. It says, Omar Rabbi Alexandria, Omar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Alexandria, said name of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, when a person's finished, a person who's davened, he takes three steps backwards. And then he gives shalom. And yitain shalom would be, we say, I say shalom bim ramav, we say shalom alenu al kudisho bim ramayin. Omar Rav Mordechai Kiva, and Sheposah Sholosh Pshios Lachrov, Hosom Iboy Leilamekam. Once he's taken the three steps back, he should stand in place. Moshal Talmud Anifta Mirabim Choizel Alta Doimel Kelev Sheshov Al Keo. This is similar if he does just leave straight away. He just takes three steps back and walks walks away straight away. It's like a Talmud who was dismissed from. Um, uh, if it's like a Talmud who dismissed from his Rebbe who leaves immediately, and that is like a dog. Who returns to his vomit? I sometimes you have to leave your rebbe. Some you have to finish the midah and take three steps back. But if straight away after taking them you turn around and run, it shows that you just dis- it's it's a despicable act like a dog going to um, to eat up his vomit. 
quite a harsh line, but that's someone who runs away from Davin Lamid. It says, Tanya Nami Hachi, we learn similarly in a brisa. Hamispalel, someone who's Davin, Torah, Shef Siyah, Shalom, Siyah, Slach, Rob, he must take three steps backwards. And then, only then, uh, sorry, and afterwards he says, Shalom. And if he doesn't do this, he might, he might as well not have Davin. If you step away from your Amida, Without taking these three steps back and giving shalom, your tefillah is meaningless because you clearly didn't have. Remember, what is tefillah? When you dive in Amida, you're supposed to view it as if you're standing before Hashem. If you're able to just walk away from that without taking three steps back, well, then you clearly didn't have that awareness that you're standing before the King of Kings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and your tefillah is nothing. Umishom Shmaya of Omru, and in the name of Shmaya, they said, you first give shalom to your right and then to the left. He gave, with his right hand, he gave this fiery law to the people. And another passage From his left hand will fall, will fall thousands. And tens of thousands from his right hand. My father, why do we need the double possum? Maybe when it spoke about Hashem giving the Torah, the, the standard practice is you give something with your right hand, because that's the hand you hold it in. So that's what it means. But, therefore, you might have thought it doesn't mean that you give chashivus to the right and you bow right first. Therefore, Yitzhak, therefore it brings a second possum to show another significance of the right. Rava saw Abaya give Shalom to his right first. And Omalei, you think it's bowed to your right. To your left. Sorry, that's what I was saying. No, it's the right of Hashem. I remember you facing Hashem. And Hashem's, in a way, we view it, this is, again, this is, it should impress upon us the specialness of tefillah. We're standing before Hashem, you facing Hashem, Hashem is facing you. So when you're bowing to the right and bowing to the left, it mustn't be to your right, it must be to Hashem's right first. So it's actually left first and then right. And Omar Rabbi Chia, Brei Rav Huna, Chazia Luhu Labai Verovet, Epsia Luhu Shalab, Epsia Spechria Achas. And Rabbi Chia, Brei Rav Huna, said he saw that Abai and Rav used to take the three steps back in one bow. Okay, let me quickly discuss. This is very practical. We do it three times a day, sometimes four, and on Yom Kippur five. So let's let's just go through it to taking the three steps back. So firstly, um, it's a it's a thing of respect. You're leaving your meeting with Hashem and you take three steps back. Um, you know, one, one, one opinion is, and that's why you say shalom, is to highlight, it's almost like a habdolah ben kodesh l'chol. You say, I was in the presence of Hashem, I've taken three steps back. Oh, you say shalom, now I can discuss giving shalom and greeting other people. But I think the standard thing is shalom is not necessarily as you would be greeting um, other people. It is shalom in more in, like, what's it, farewell um, from Hashem. Okay, the base Yosef brings, why do we take three steps back? So I'm not going to give all the reasons. He brings a whole lot of reasons. I'll just give some of them. So he says, one is our tefillah is in place of the avoid of the korbonus. And, we, and it's brought that the kohanim would take three steps back over three stones. And therefore, um, we also take three steps back after our avoider. A second, another pshat is that when Moshe Rabbeinu was 
going up onto Har Sinai, he walked through three partitions of Kedusha, so, so to, and then obviously backwards through them. So when we finished our presence with the Shekhinah, I mean Moshe on Har Sinai was in the presence of the Shekhinah, he went up to Hashem. When we finish our presence of the Shekhinah, we take three steps back. And then a third opinion, um, is the Jews, when Hashem appeared to the Jews on Har Sinai, they were so awe-inspired by His presence that they jumped three mil back. So corresponding to each mil out of awe of Hashem's presence, we take three steps back. I'll mention another one um, shortly. But then it said, um, He bows to His right and to His left. So remember we said, that's not that's to the right of Hashem. So when you take your three steps back, how they say you do it, is you bow, you take three steps back starting with your left foot. Because starting with your left foot shows a little bit more reluctance to do it. And it's disrespectful to like step back with your right foot, which is showing you keen to do it. So you take your left foot back. While bowing, you take these three steps back. And then you turn to your left and you say, Oise Shalom Bim Romav. You turn to your right, to Yase Shalom Aleinu. And you bow forward and say, Val Kol Yisrael Bim Romain. So that's the that's how we that's how we do this practice, um, yeah. Then there's another interesting. After that, what do we do? So once we've taken the three steps back, so again, three step while but you bow forward, you take three steps back, you turn to your left and you say Oise Shalom Bim Romav to your right Oise Shalom Aleinu and bow forward while Kol Yisrael Bim Romain. Then you stand up and we say the Yehirot Son. Yehirotzon, that Hashem should rebuild the temple in Yehuda where it used to be. Now, what is so why do we do that? So again, the one obvious reason is that Tfil is in place of the base Amigdash. So now is an opportune moment to mention to Hashem, can we actually do the Avoida, the proper, the, I don't want to say the proper Avoida, the Avoida base Amigdash, which we, this is in place of, which we can't do nowadays. Another very interesting answer given for that is Nebuchadnezzar took three steps in honor of Hashem. And for that, he was granted his wish to destroy the Beis Amigdash. Again, the, we see that Nebuchadnezzar took three steps in honor of Hashem and he was granted the power, he was granted his request to destroy the Beis Amigdash. So we've just taken three steps in honor of Hashem. So we also ask for permission to build the Beis Amigdash. We see there's this aspect of giving honor to Hashem and you get, uh, I don't know what the right word would be, but control over the Beis Amigdash. Um, then one more halacha we mentioned in this thing is that you must wait standing in place. How long do you have to wait standing in place? So the standard answer, the strictest answer is you have to wait standing in place until the shliach tzibur reaches Kedusha. And that's why many of the practice, if you noticed in shul, they take their three steps back and they stand there waiting. And then at Kedusha, you take three steps forward and you start Kedusha. A, a slightly more lenient opinion is that you take three steps back and then when the Chazan starts Chazor Sashatz, you can take three steps forward. And then a more lenient opinion is that you, you just have to wait the time it would take to walk four Amos. Whatever, that's a few. Hardly, that's very short. Four Amos is about two meters. So how long would it take you to walk two meters? That's the most lenient opinion. Um, if you're davening by yourself, many opinions say you should still wait the time it takes to, if you were at Shul, for the Shriyat Sibur to start his to start Kedusha. Okay, but that's, uh, that's how long you must wait in place. Let's carry on. And then we mentioned that the 
Kain Gadol davens a short fill. He says, "My matzvi, what does he daven?" So Rav Barav Adav Ravin Barav Adav Tarvayu Mishmei the Rav Omri. They both said in the name of Rav. You hear it from him for Necho Hashem Elokeinu may be a wall. Hashem a God shete shetehe shonazu kashuma v'shchuna. May this year be a rainy and hot year. Shchuna mal Yosei is that it's extremely hot. A good thing. He says, "No, Ela Eima im shchuna tehe kashuma." Rather, the tefillah is, if it's hot, may it be extra rainy. To compensate for the heat and the dryness of the earth, Rav Acha Breid Rava Masayim Bo. He said that the Kohen Gadol would Mishmeid Rav Yehuda. We would conclude Lo Yadi Avid Shulton Midavais Yehuda. May the rulership never leave the household of Yehuda. In the second temple, remember the kings were not from the house of Yehuda, but the Nasi was from the house of Yehuda. And Velo Yu Amechu Yisrael Truchim the Parnes Zemizeh, and that Jews don't need to get support from each other. I won't need to beg for charity. I think that's what it means. They'll each have a sufficient panosa. And that you don't listen to the travelers. Travelers, when they're traveling, they daven that there's no rain. So you shouldn't listen. So the part of the thing is don't listen to the travelers who are davening for no rain. It points out, the Balei Musa point out from here, we see the power of tefillah when you daven from a source of desperation. If you're traveling, and I mean in those days it was much, much worse, but you know how unpleasant it is to drive in the rain. So you daven out of your need, you turn to Hashem and you daven for Him to stop rain. That can overpower everyone else, all the farmers, all the rest of the people who need water. Because you're davening from desperation, from realizing how badly you need Hashem. It's a very powerful tefillah. And that's the sort of tefillah we should always have. But that's what the Quran says. Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa have a ba'urcha. Once Rabbi Hanina ben Doisa was traveling, shod matra and it started to pour rain on him. He said, what, everyone else should be comfortable and I should be in, in uh, pain. says, Posach Mitra, the rain stopped. Asamid said, when he reached his home, he said, what, everyone should be in pain that there's no rain and I should be in comfort. So then the rain started. We see how the tefillah of the Kohen Godel had no effect when it came to Hananiah ben Doisa. His tefillah was much more powerful. An interesting question that they ask, um, the Marashah asks, yeah, not going to go into the answer, but he says, how could Hananiah ben Doisa make a tefillah that was detrimental to everyone else? He's such a pious tzaddik. How could he say such a tefillah? There was a case with a certain Kohen Godel who, who davened a long tefillah. And they decided that they must enter Akhrov into him. Because in the time of the second temple, Kohanim who entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim and were unfit, they used to die. So they often used to have to send Kohanim to get them out. Hitchilu... As they were walking in, he left. They said to him, why did you elaborate? Why did you take so long? He says, what? It's bad in your eyes that I daven for you and for the base Hamigdash that it should not be destroyed. So Omrullah, don't take such a long time. As it's taught in the Mishnah, The Mishnah says, don't elaborate in your tefillah because then Bnei Israel start to get scared. They think that the Kohen Gadol has died. A very interesting point from this last one is that the, Beis, the Rebbe wrote the Mishnah long after the Beis Hamidash was destroyed. Probably about 150 years after the Beis Hamidash was destroyed, Rebbe wrote down the Mishnah. So we see that in the time of the Beis Hamidash, they're quoting a Mishnah to this Kohen Gadol. So this supports many hold that the different yeshivas or the, the Tanoim used to have sets of Mishnah and they used to say them off by heart. Rebbe came and compiled, he chose which sets of Mishnah 
to, to put together and compile them and put it together, but there were already sets of Mishnahs. Um, we'll leave the Mishnah for tomorrow.